0: good morning my name is Dustin I'm on staff here at South Point Uh, what we're currently doing this year is we are spending the entire calendar year all of 2022 reading through the biblical book of Acts and we're looking at how the church that we are still a part of today actually started and and where we're at in this narrative in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit has descended onto the Jesus followers um, and, and The Apostle Peter, he actually stood up and gave the first gospel message ever preached. He shared with this group of thousands what Jesus had accomplished on the cross, and as a result, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus, and the church has officially been born. And what we've done is we've actually paused in the verses right after this moment, and we're closely examining these verses and how this group responded. And and although this isn't like a step-by-step instruction of exactly what we should do as a church because we're in a different context, uh, reading closely what this community looked like, we can glean something away from them and how we should look as a church. And uh, the truth is God's the same God that he was uh, when this church was born. And so um, although there's no picture-perfect formula for having a relationship with God, There are gifts that he gives us to help us in building this relationship with him. And so, two weeks ago, Jamie talked about discipleship. And then last week, Jamie talked about generosity. And this week, we're going to talk about something else. Um, But as we read through this passage, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. If you don't have a Bible, we have these Acts journals in the seat in front of you. We're going to be on page 18 for this. And as we read through this, I just want you to... Focus in on these words. These are honestly the most important thing that will be said this morning. More important than anything that I'll say. So don't miss this. Let's focus in on this, and uh, and we'll go from there. So Acts chapter two, starting at verse 42, it says this. This is how this group responded. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to, to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so we've read through this passage a few times now, and as you read through this, this is a really kind of like picture-perfect Christian community, kind of like Mr. Rogers vibe that you can get from this. But, but what I want to do is I want to read through this because a lot of people read through this passage and they think this is like a step-by-step, step. this is what the church should be doing, all these things. But really, if you read through this, what happens in verse 42 is what they committed to, and what happens in the rest of the verses is just a result. So we have a cause and effect thing going on here. So I want to go back to verse 42. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time this morning and so it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so jamie talked about discipleship and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread we're talking about generosity in this kind of community based uh group and then what we're going to be talking about this morning is prayer Says they committed themselves to the prayers and so before we start i just want to take a quick poll with you guys and I, i really want you to raise your hands uh, with this. I just want to ask, how many people in here would be willing to admit that when it comes to your prayer life, you actually wish that you could pray more deeply and more frequently than you currently do? Like, raise your hand if you would admit that there's, like, pretty significant room for improvement in your prayer life. Yeah, like, like look around, right? You're not by yourself. You see, I think too many times as Christians, we like to dog ourselves or get down on ourselves and just assume. That so many other Christians are just like happily rolling along and like, man, they must have this fruitful, like beautiful prayer life. But I think if we're being honest, I'm not sure that any of us are really where we'd like to be. And I think we read verses like this one in Acts of like they devoted themselves to prayer. And it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But I'm not sure that I'll ever be able to get there. But my question is, when we're talking about prayer, like where are we trying to get to? Where should you be aiming And so I just want to talk about it this morning. I want to talk about prayer. And what this isn't going to be is some like guilt trip or condemning thing that was like Jesus hung on the cross for hours and you won't even spend two minutes in prayer. Like it's not going to be that type of thing. I actually think that approach to prayer minimizes what prayer actually is. But just prayer, I want to talk about it this morning. But before we do, let's pray together. God, I'm just thankful for who you are, your goodness and your graciousness graciousness, and God, I'm thankful for the worship this morning, God. I'm, I'm thankful that your Holy Spirit is present in this room with us, and we get to experience moments and little glimpses of what eternity is going to be like. We get to experience your presence. God, I just pray as we dig into this word this morning that you just reveal to us exactly what you have for us, that these words aren't mine, but you're speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we walk out of this place having heard directly from you, God. That's all our prayer is right now. We, we love you, we thank you, and we trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so there was this monk, and uh, his name was Brother Lawrence. And and this Brother Lawrence, he was a man chasing relentlessly after God. And And Brother Lawrence, he wrote this book called Practicing the Presence of God, which is actually really good, even in 2022. I recommend reading it. But in this book, Brother Lawrence talked about how no matter what he was doing, be it exciting and fantastic or like boring and remedial, that whatever he was doing, he wanted to do it with God, and he wanted to experience God's presence. He, he had this mindset every morning when he woke up of, I'm going to experience the presence of God today. God has something for me today, and I am going to get after it. And the thing about Brother Lawrence is that actually very frequently he would be giving, given the like... Jobs that no one else wanted to do. He'd be stuck doing all the dinner dishes, or he'd have to rake all the leaves by himself. But regardless of what he was doing, Brother Lawrence decided that he was going to make God a part of it. Basically, he said, I don't need to go to the ends of the earth to experience the presence of God because God is so big and so intimately involved in every facet of my life that I can experience him even if I'm just washing off some dinner plates. I mean, what an approach to life. And and Brother Lawrence, he said this about prayer, and I, I want to start here this morning. He said this, he said, We ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity, speaking to him frankly and plainly, and imploring his assistance in our affairs as they happen. We ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity, speaking to him frankly and plainly. I, I think we do this thing when we pray where we put prayer on this like weird pedestal. That's not to say that prayer is not important, because prayer is absolutely important and vital in the Christian walk, but because prayer is so important, I think we make it this like ritualistic thing that needs to be done in a certain way and spoken in a certain vernacular and concerning only certain subjects. But if you read through the scriptures very frequently, what you'll see is people talking to God as if they're just talking to another person actually, more often than not in the scriptures, when people are praying, they're actually protesting or confronting God about their given situation. There's a whole lot of, God, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. God, I can't do this. God, I need help. God, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, even Jesus praying in the garden, I mean, he, before he went to the cross, he, he left out all the thys and nows, and he, he pretty much said, Dad, I... I don't really want to do this. I don't, I don't want to endure this, but I will. And so I think what Brother Lawrence is implying and what we really need to grab a hold of is individuals and what's modeled in Scripture is just this. Pray what you got. Pray what you got. And that might sound weird to you, but I'm telling you, we have to strip the formality away. I think we need to strip the ritualistic away. God not only wants to hear from the real you, but God actually delights in the fact that you are willing to be real with him. He's happy just to be able to hear from you, even if you're not getting it right by like the church's standards or the world's standards. I think God's just filled with joy to be able to hear from you. And so wherever you're at, that's where you're at. So just pray what you got. My son Camden, he's he's eight now, but I remember when he was first learning to speak. And if you're a parent, you likely experience this too, but he would frequently like mispronounced words, as kids do, like he, he called Yellow Lello. And, and, and the, a funny thing is when kids come into the family, grandparents and aunts and uncles, they do this thing where they like try to decide what the kid is going to call them. They decide what their nickname is going to be. It, it rarely works out. But my mother-in-law, she was satisfied with being called Grandma, but Camden couldn't say Grandma, and so he didn't call her Grandma. He called her grunya grunya and grunya you know i'm sure that sounds funny to you and maybe it sounds like like a monster under the bed in a kid's book like watch out for the Grunya's gonna get you but she was grunya and and how do you think she responded when he called her grunya she wasn't like stupid kid get it right like no like she's just grunya and then my sister-in-law, she was gonna be auntie, but Camden couldn't say auntie, and so she ended up being ankies. Ankies. And she wasn't like, how dare he address me incorrectly? Like, no, she's just ankies, and and they're delighted to even be addressed, even if it's not perfect, because they love him and they just want to spend time with him. And that's all he had. And whatever you have, that's what God wants from you. And so you just pray what you got. And so if you're feeling anxious. You can just start there. God, I I can barely even breathe right now. If you're feeling disconnected from God, you can start there. God, it's been a long time. I haven't talked to you. I don't even know how to approach this. I'm kind of embarrassed. Even if you don't believe, you can start there. I think God would rather hear from you, God. I don't know if you're real or if I even believe, but I am struggling, and I have no idea what else to do, so here goes. I think God would rather hear that than now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I, I think he just wants to hear from you and so whatever you got you bring it to him and you don't stop. Get something new every day, right? Bring whatever you have every day, bring that to him and, and also when it comes to prayer, bother God. I don't know if anyone ever told you this, you're allowed to bother God. You know it's funny, I think as humans at least, I've seen this. If you're socially awkward like sometimes we apologize for even existing, It can get awkward like maybe if you've been like standing in a grocery store and like someone's walking by and you're not even in their way. They just walk by and you're like, oh, sorry. Sorry for what? For existing? Or like, hey, you ever walked into a coworker's space and you're, it feels so uncomfortable and you're like, I'm really sorry to bother you, but you think it might be possible like perhaps maybe if you're not too busy if I could just like borrow your laptop charger because mine's completely dead and I literally can't work without it. You know what? Forget it. I'll find, you know, I'll make a spreadsheet with a hole puncher and a stapler. It's fine. Like, I don't it's, I, I don't want, like, the worst thing we can be is an inconvenience to someone. We are so adverse to even existing or colliding with someone else's life. But I think sometimes we take that posture with God, and it's like, I'm not even going to bother God with this. There are bigger fish to fry. But I want you to listen to this passage that I'm going to read. And this has easily become one of my favorite passages. And I think it questions this notion that we could ever be inconveniencing, or truly bothering God, it says this in Isaiah. It says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest, and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. You know what became abundantly important to me as soon as I had children? Rest rest because children are amazing and they love you and they want to spend time with you and they want to tell you all about their day and they want to share everything that they're excited about with you and they want to ask you questions about everything and it is so amazing and also so exhausting and as amazing and selfless and unshakable as a father as i try to be sometimes i I need rest sometimes i'm like dozing off on the couch and like I need five minutes before you tell me about that video game. Like, I, I want to hear about that video game, but I just need five minutes. Or sometimes I'll just, I need a minute. Like, I, I want to play that board game, but I just need a minute before we break out break out the board game. Like, we're, we're fragile. We're weak creatures, humans. We need rest. Even the best parents need rest, but God, now just read this passage again and see if we can get a sense of what God is saying here. It says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have Set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Do you see it? These watchmen, they'll never be silent. They're praying. They are actually appointed God-botherers. God literally loves being bothered so much by his children that he appoints people to bother him. Isaiah is saying, give God no rest. Now remember, Isaiah is a prophet, and the words that he speaks are coming to him directly from God, so you can really read this as God saying, give me no rest. Don't stop bothering me. Don't stop asking me. Don't stop crying out to me. Don't stop petitioning me. Don't stop calling on my name until what? It says until I've established Jerusalem and make it a praise in the earth. Basically, God is saying, give me no rest until I take this world and make it right again. Until that day, give me no rest. You ever see like TV shows or cartoons or maybe just in real life where like the busy businessman dad is like walking to his office, his home office with a suitcase and like he turns around and tells his kids like, I'm very busy today. Uh, I need you to stay out here. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. Well, God... The Father is the exact opposite. He literally says, I sent my son, Jesus, to come and suffer on earth on a cross so that this door, the thing that's separating us, your sin, Jesus destroyed that. And so now, no matter how broken, no matter how messy, no matter how frequently you come to me with your junk, I can't be bothered. You can't bother me enough. You can't come to me enough. You can't talk to me enough. I'll never push you away. I'll never... Ignore you, I'll never leave you alone, like, bother me. This is God saying, bother me, don't leave me alone. Don't think you're an inconvenience. I love you more than you could possibly imagine. and I care about every area of your life. Give me no rest until I make it all all right. And so when was the last time you bothered God? When was the last time you petitioned God? When was the last time you refused to let him rest? When was the last time? You cried out to him. When was the last time you just cried with him? God says, give me no rest. You can't talk to me enough. And the scripture says, pray unceasingly. And I'm sure you've heard this, pray unceasingly. You see, what prayer ultimately is, prayer is ultimately communing with God, spending time with God. It's not just communication. It's not just what you say to God and what you think he's saying to you. On the surface, I I think that's how we perceive it. Even lifelong Christians will say, well, prayer is just talking to God. But I think that only touches a small percentage of what prayer actually is because prayer is ultimately community with God. It's communing with him. It's spending time with him. This one time, Dan Rather, this famous news anchor, he was interviewing Mother Teresa Which if you don't know who Mother Teresa is, she's pretty much the biggest spiritual icon in history. And Dan Rather, he he asked Mother Teresa, he said, when you pray, what do you say to God? To which Mother Teresa replied, I don't say anything, I just listen. And so Dan Rather asked a follow-up question, he said, okay, well, when God speaks to you, what does he say? To which Mother Teresa responded, he doesn't say anything, he listens which left Dan Rather a little speechless. And and Mother Teresa said, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. You see, I think Dan Rather, just as much of the world and even a lot of Christians, only ever understood prayer's communication with God. But Mother Teresa understood that at its very core that prayer can be much more accurately defined as just spending time with him. You know, even thinking about God is a form of prayer why the Bible says in Thessalonians to pray unceasingly. And maybe you read that as a kid, and when you read that, you're like, you mean to tell me I'm supposed to like stay in my room on the edge of my bed, like 24-7, like praying the Lord's Prayer? No, that's not what that means. But if you only see prayer as communication with God, then that's kind of what you're left with. But if you understand that prayer is actually communing with God, spending time with God, then praying unceasingly not only doesn't seem impossible, but it can actually begin to seem appealing, exciting even. that's not to say that isolated prayer time with God isn't important. it actually really is and, and Jesus models it. I mean we can see this read through in Scripture Jesus modeling this isolated prayer. It says in Matthew 14:23 it says, "And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. when evening came, he was there alone." Mark 6:46. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray Jesus. Luke 6.12, and these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Mark 1.35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. Luke 5.16, but he would withdraw to desolate places, And pray. So, yes, Jesus spent solitary time alone with God, and we need to be spending solitary time alone with God. But let me ask you something. Do you think that in the moments when Jesus wasn't standing on a mountaintop praying that he was no longer connected to God? Like, do you think that when Jesus wasn't audibly praying out loud or when he hadn't stopped everything and was, like, praying, do you think that he was no longer connected to the Father? Like, do you think that Jesus... Mountain prayer moments were to, like, fill up his God gas tank, and then he'd come down the mountain, and he'd teach and do miracles, and then when his tank would run empty, he'd go back up the mountain to get filled up again, like, kind of like how we treat church. Like, I'm going to come here once a week, and you can fill me up, and then I'll go run the tank empty until I need to fill it up again. That's not how Jesus lived. That's not what he was modeling. Jesus was connected with the Father all the time. He was engaged with the world, and with God all the time. But how is this possible? See, a Christian philosopher and teacher named Thomas Kelly, he wrote this book in 1941 called A Testament to Devotion. And in this book, there's this quote that talks about this way of being engaged with the world while also being engaged with God. Because, you know, we can't just stay in our room praying all day, but at the same time, we're instructed to pray unceasingly, and that's not an exaggeration. God actually wants us to do that. And so Thomas Kelly, he puts it like this. He says there's a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level, we may be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs, but deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration, song and worship, and a general receptiveness to divine breathing. Walk and talk and work and laugh with your friends. But behind the scenes, keep up the life of simple prayer and inward worship. Keep it up throughout the day. Let inward prayer be your last act before you fall asleep and the first act when you wake. The first days and weeks and months are awkward and painful but enormously rewarding. Awkward because it takes constant vigilance and effort and reassertions of the will at the first level. Painful because our lapses are so frequent, the intervals when we forget the one when we forget Jesus so long, but rewarding because we have begun to live. Ultimately, it's the same thing that Brother Lawrence was talking about is the same thing that Mother Teresa was referring to, but ultimately what it comes down to is how Jesus modeled prayer in a relationship with God, and that's all the time. You can't compartmentalize your prayer life. Prayer can't simply be another portion of your day. It can't be an addition to your schedule, prayer is supposed to like permeate and radiate and infiltrate like every area of your life. I mean, what would it look like? What would it look like if you were arguing with your significant other and then also simultaneous behind the scenes you were thanking God for putting them in your life and expressing this overwhelming gratitude to Him? Do you think that might change the way you argue with them? I mean, if you're at work or at school, and like behind the scenes in your heart, you're just reflecting on God's goodness and this amazing love that he has lavished over you. And then as this is happening, one of your coworkers or another student says some offhanded comment to you or like your boss snaps at you. Do you think that might change the way you respond to them? Or if you're in like a doctor's office and you're, you're waiting for them to come back with news and then behind the scenes in your heart, you're just sitting in God's amazing grace and mercy and the truth that Jesus came and died for you on a cross so that you could have this relationship with him and you're just basking in the awe of being loved unconditionally and overwhelmingly by him. Do you think if that's what you were doing that, that might impact how you hear whatever news the doctor has to share with you? You see, prayer and communing with God, it's not some dutiful task-oriented thing that we have to do, but rather it's being able to commune and spend this amazing time with this amazing God and experience his powerful while at the same time peace delivering presence. I mean, I think that is a gift but I just don't know if we take advantage of it. Especially when we only treat prayer as if it's communication with God. It's spending time with him, whatever that looks like. You see this early church, this Acts church, these brand new believers they're brand new believers. Like they're not master they're not masters at praying. like they're, they're new to this too, but they're devoting themselves to prayer, but they're not devoting themselves to prayer to prove that they're committed. They're not trying to win over God, not even just trying to talk to him. I think more than anything else, this early church, they just wanted to spend time with him. And everything you see in the passage after this community devoted themselves to prayer, I think it's actually just an inevitable consequence of spending time with God. It's a cause and effect thing. You devote yourself to prayer. You devote yourself to spending time with him. And then what happens after is a result of that. It's not a to-do list. It's a consequence. Read through this. It says, And all came upon every soul. That's a result of spending time with God. Wonders and signs were being done. That's a result of spending time with God. They were together and had all things in common. That's what happens when you spend time with God. This like selling their belongings and like trying to meet every need, that's a result of spending time with God. Breaking bread and, and, and uh, in their homes and having this like glad generosity, this gratitude filled heart, that's a result of spending time with God. Praising God, you spend enough time with him, praising him will be easier because he'll reveal his goodness to you. Having favor with all people, that comes as a result of spending time with God. When you look more like Jesus and the Lord, adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved, that's because they were a church that was committed to spending time with God. These are consequences of bringing God what you got and bothering God and praying unceasingly. You know, what they were doing, it's not anything we could ever aspire to or like accomplish on our own or try to maintain. It's a consequence of communing with him and so rather than to tell you go do all these things, my, my, my encouragement to you is to go spend time with God and then your life will look like this. You can't do it the other way around. And if you're not communing with God not only will this type of life, what this church look like, will it be impossible but it will feel like this task oriented, logistical, like stress inducing nightmare that you're never going to be able to do. But even more than that, if you're not communing with God, then you are missing out on life with God. And that's the entire point. That's why Jesus died on a cross. It wasn't just to get you into heaven. It was so that you could experience life with God. That's why Thomas Kelly said it's rewarding because you've truly begun to live. To live life with God is truly living. And I'm sorry, but living life without God, it's just no life at all. There is no life in that. The life comes from Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You want to experience that life, you devote yourself to prayer. And when I say that, you devote yourself to spending time with Him. And the Bible says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, meaning that just a few minutes in God's presence, just a few moments in God's presence, will transform you in a way that a lifetime could not, if you'll devote yourself to it. And so I'm going to stop talking for a little bit. I actually want to do something. We're going to move into our time of communion. Um, As we take communion, what I want you to do is I want you to reflect on the fact that this opportunity to pray unceasingly, this opportunity to spend time with this Amazing God, this has not always been available. People could not always just approach God with whatever they had. They used to have to go to someone else. They used to have to involve a third party. But now, after Jesus died on the cross, the veil is torn, and we can just come to him whenever we want. But that had to be paid for. A price came with that, and that's what we celebrate with communion. His body being broken, the blood being shed, that paved the way for you to be able to approach God with whatever you got and bother him. And pray unceasingly. It's not a to-do list. It's, it's a blessing. It's a gift. And then after that, we're going to move into a little extended time of worship. And we're going to sing a couple songs. But as we do this, I, I don't know if you do this normally, but I'm going to ask you to do this now. I want you to treat the worship at the end of the service as an ongoing prayer. And you can either sit quietly in your seat or you can stand quietly and just listen. Or if you're going to sing, I don't want you to just sing. If you're going to sing, I want you to sing as if you're praying these words. As if you're saying these words to God. This is not like community karaoke where we put words on a screen and it's like, let's sing this together. It's fun. We're singing to God. Do you treat it like that? That's what we're going to do. We invite you to do that. So just for these next few minutes, and I I hope that you carry this out of here with you. God is available all the time. I'm confident that he is seeking out, trying to reach and connect with you right now. And so I'm going to encourage you and invite you to meet him where he is to take this perspective of Brother Lawrence of God has something for me today. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So as we sing, pray, these words are sent silently in prayer. Stand and pray. But before you do that, take communion and reflect and celebrate the fact that this is even possible. Let's pray together. God, we love you. God, I'm just in awe of the fact that I can spend all day with you. I know it's not easy. I know it's really hard. But I'm amazed at the fact that you are such a big God that it, I don't have to be doing missions work and on the other side of the planet. I can literally be mowing my grass or just hanging out with my kids or, or eating dinner. And I can be spending time with you because you just want to be involved in our life and you invite us to come as we are and you transform us. We don't transform ourselves, God. And so I pray that these next few minutes that your Holy Spirit is so thick in this room and so present that we cannot avoid it. Even people who have not committed to praying during this time, God, I pray you just hit them in the face with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be changed. We need to be challenged. We just want to spend time with you, God. We commit this time to you. Allow us to meet you here as you've met us. We love you. Pray all this to you.